Live from Studio Sumter on Liberty Street in beautiful downtown Sumter slash our homes, this is News Without Ink, a part of the Item Podcast Network presented by SKF. SKF Sumter is a global world-class employer providing a clean, conditioned environment, platinum benefits, and opportunities for everyone to grow. SKF proudly manufactures bearings to serve the medical, defense, and robotic industries. SKF, the world of reliable rotation. To apply today, go to skf.com. Welcome to News Without Ink. I'm Micah Green, photographer and chief digital officer at the Sumter Item. Today, we're bringing you the show in a new format. We have three stories for you, all themed around the idea of community. Community has been more important than ever throughout this pandemic, and people are showing it in different ways. Two stories we have for you today are readings of articles we've recently published in the Sumter Item and online at theitem.com. The third is a children's book reading brought to you by a local educator. All three are family friendly, so if they're not in the room right now, though let's face it, they might never be away from your side, press pause and grab the kids. Here's part one. Sometimes the easiest way to find the next news story is just to look outside. Our education and business, and now COVID-19, news reporter Bruce Mills wrote this story you're about to hear about a socially distanced twist on a family fun day at the zoo that his neighborhood put together. This story originally ran in the Sumter Item and online at theitem.com on Wednesday, April 28th. Reading it for us today is Trevor Ivey, a longtime Sumter educator and now the chief of staff of Sumter's first ever public charter school, Sumter Steam. Just a note, the story has been given minor edits for an audio format. Part one, we made a zoo. They were tired of being cooped up in the house, but they were still under stay-at-home orders. So some families decided to have fun and relieve some stress from the routine of another day of homeschooling in general boredom. My wife, Jennifer Mills, who teaches middle school, had recently seen a video from the Today Show about how two moms in Oregon recently organized a neighborhood stuffed animal zoo for kids to enjoy, all while still practicing social distancing because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Jennifer shared it with our neighborhood Facebook page and asked if they wanted to do the same because a full day of sunshine was in the forecast that Tuesday. Several residents responded, so the idea started to take off. So on Tuesday, about 10 families in Linwood Plantation put on wildlife displays in their front yards and driveways, allowing kids to get outside and take in the fun. Danielle Colgrove and her five-year-old daughter, Sadie, set up a stuffed animal exhibit outside their home in the morning on Excursion Drive. Colgrove is now homeschooling Sadie since the kindergartner school, Sumter Christian School, like all other local schools, is closed by the governor's mandate to help slow the spread of the coronavirus. Mom said Sadie was excited with the activity. She's enjoyed it. If she sees anybody come by, she runs out the door and talks with them about her stuffed animals. A couple blocks away, on Navigator Circle, it was a hot spot with at least three families setting up zoos, a couple even including live animals. Dina Rudd had a live petting zoo for kids. Rudd Roost, she named it, set up in her front yard with eight birds, including two ducks, two hens, a rooster, and some baby chicks. 
In chalk at Red Roost were educational notes with facts on chickens and ducks. Dina and her three boys have a total of 23 birds. She said she has always enjoyed farm animals and promotes sustainability in their home. She even gets five eggs per day from five full-grown hens. Dina said she thought the neighborhood zoo idea was great. One mother and her young son came by on Tuesday, who Dina said every morning they walk by and look to see where the duck is. This was a chance for her little boy to come and meet the duck and actually pet him, Dina said. Now, if there were a prize for most stuffed animals in the neighborhood, Becky Seastool, who lives just a few houses down on Navigator, would have won it. She and her two boys put out 57, at least by my close count, including some in a tree and on a family car in the driveway. I think it was an awesome idea, Seastool said. It's been fun and something different. Matthew House, an airman stationed at Shaw Air Force Base, had the most unique live animal on display with a bearded dragon lizard. He stayed on the front porch with Rango on his shoulder and also set up stuffed animals on the front lawn, complete with definitions for educational purposes. When the lizards get agitated, their beards puff up and turn into a black color as a defensive mechanism. They also bob their heads up and down. When passersby would stop and look, he and Rango would come just a little closer to chat. House said he and his wife have three bearded dragons. He liked the zoo idea, and he was up late Monday night typing up the animal definitions. We love animals, and I thought it was cool, House said. I'm glad someone put this idea together. Welcome back. We're separated right now, but only physically. This next story was written by our executive editor, Kayla Green, and published on April 24th about how people are finding unique ways to celebrate birthdays and support each other while still adhering to social distancing guidelines. Kayla is reading for us. Part two, a new way to celebrate. It was the most unusual of birthdays, but the happy birthday chorus, the I love yous, and the tears of joy were still there. They were just exchanged by yelling them from the street. A birthday party was planned for Sharon Dinkins, but COVID-19 has kept her indoors and away from people. Her husband, Terry Dinkins, is the pastor at Revelation Sanctuary Church on US 15 South in Sumter, and even he is careful around her. Terry and their two adult sons make sure to spray themselves with disinfectant, wash their hands, and take their shoes off upon entering their home. They know the new coronavirus is a highly contagious respiratory illness that is more deadly for people who have existing health conditions. With her compromised immune system and dealings with cancer, they can't take a chance. Tarsha Carrington, a member of the church, said Sharon has been through a lot. After having to cancel their original celebration planned for her birthday, Tarsha and their church family drove up to the Dinkins' house to wish her a happy birthday. We just wanted to make her smile, she said. She cried the whole time, Terry said. Socially distant celebrations like that have been popping up throughout Sumter. We may have to be physically distant based on federal guidelines and state mandates telling us to stay six feet apart from non-household members. That doesn't mean we can't come together. The celebrations may appear similar, but they have been for a host of reasons, each with their unique spin. 
It started with teachers driving through students' neighborhoods. Then, social media videos started popping up of people stuck in high-rises across the world, from Italy to New York to Atlanta, banging, clapping, cheering for healthcare workers switching shifts. Now, life cycle celebrations are taking place outside the home, not within. Another recent birthday parade was held for a woman's 80th near-second mill. Dot Tidwell's daughter organized it, and the 24-year Chick-fil-A of Sumter employee, quote, had no idea whatsoever. I was crying. I was so surprised, she said. Miss Dot, as she is usually called, hasn't been able to work for weeks. Don't worry. The chicken sandwich is safe. She recently fell and broke her collarbone and left ankle. When they rolled her wheelchair outside, she had no idea that waiting for her were her family, friends, people she goes to the Bethesda Church of God with, and even her boss. She said she has talked to people plenty on the phone since the outbreak began. Her friends from church have sent her cards. She has been able to keep in contact with family, but seeing everyone was different. I had no idea I was having a party, she said, especially with the virus. I said, don't plan a party for me. It really caught me off guard. I thought we were just taking a ride on the golf cart. Birthday parades have been a fun way to stay connected during lockdown, but parades have also been organized just to show support. Stuart Ward is in the choir at Church of the Holy Comforter on North Main Street in downtown Sumter. They're very fond of Stuart, said his father, Daly Ward. Stuart is 40 and has special needs. He participates in several groups throughout Sumter. He sings in his church choir, which is still performing for services that are streamed online, but it's down to four people. He volunteers at the Sumter Family YMCA, which is closed by state mandate, like other gyms and fitness facilities. He also works at Pizza Hut, likes to bowl, and helps with several church ministries. It all ground to a halt, Daly said, and his ability to understand all of this is limited. People at church were thinking about him being home and not doing much, he said, so choir director Kipper Ackerman assembled a parade. We blindfolded him and sat him in a chair in the front yard, Daly said. Stewart loved seeing his friends, who all dressed up in a Mardi Gras theme. They drove around the circular driveway six or seven times, playing music and shouting words of encouragement. Being confined at home is not easy for everyone especially the elderly and those most threatened by the virus. Ashley Joyner's grandparents are struggling quite a bit, she said. They're older, but they're extremely active. They love getting out. They get grumpy if they can't see Ashley's children, their nine-year-old and five-year-old great-grandchildren, at least once a week. The last time they saw them, shouting greetings from across their yard on Pinewood Road, the younger girl cried when she couldn't hug them goodbye. Ashley's grandmother, Tony Burr, is hard of hearing, so talking on the phone is not ideal for her. They couldn't figure out Skype. Ashley and her mother have tried to explain the importance of staying isolated. At the beginning, she understood, but Granddad is so healthy, so he didn't, Ashley said. He started to once he realized he could give it to his wife. Now, they're just trying to weather the storm like the rest of us, Ashley said. Knowing her grandmother's 85th birthday was coming up, Ashley, who works at Cutright Soda Fountain and Drugstore, remembered a local fad called Flocked, where people would surprise decorate people's yards with plastic flamingos. That got her thinking. She still had a bunch of flamingos stored from her five-year-old's first birthday party. I called mom and said, this will cheer Granny up. So we snuck over at 6 a.m. and put them out. 
Papa was actually up and he watched through the window and he was so excited he actually woke her up right after we left. She cried and cried. She said she felt like a three-year-old jumping up and down on the front porch. She was so excited. And now we've arrived at part three of our show, part three. If the kids have wandered off, now would be a good time to get them back. Trevor Ivey, who read our first story, has been reading a children's book on Facebook Live every weeknight while school has been out. We invited him to do a special reading for us and asked him to pick a book that's related to this episode's theme of community. So please, perk your ears up and enjoy. The Curious Garden is a magical story about one boy's dream and how the efforts of one small person can actually change the world one community at a time by inspiring others to join in on the fun. The Curious Garden is authored and illustrated by Peter Brown. There once was a city without gardens or trees or greenery of any kind. Most people spent their time indoors. As you can imagine, it was a very dreary place. However, there was one boy who loved being outside. Even on drizzly days, while everyone else stayed inside, you could always find little Liam happily splashing through his neighborhood. And it was on one such morning that little Liam made several surprising discoveries. He was wandering around the old railway as he did from time to time when he stumbled upon a dark stairwell leading up to the tracks. The railway had stopped working ages ago, and since little Liam had always wanted to explore the tracks, there was only one thing for the curious boy to do. So little Liam ran up the stairs, he pushed open the door, and stepped out onto the railway. The first thing he saw was a lonely patch of color. Wildflowers and plants were the last things he had expected to find up there. But when he took a closer look, it became clear that the plants were dying, and they needed a gardener. Little Liam may not have been a gardener, but he knew that he could help. So he returned to the railway the very next day and got right to work. The flowers nearly drowned, and he had a few pruning problems, but the plants patiently waited while little Liam found better ways of gardening. As the weeks rolled by, little Liam began to feel like a real gardener, and the plants began to feel like a real garden. Most gardens stay in one place, but this was no ordinary garden. With miles of open railway ahead of it, the garden was growing restless, and it wanted to explore. The tough little weeds and mosses were the first to move. They popped up farther and farther down the tracks, and they were closely followed by the more delicate plants. Over the next few months, little Liam and the curious garden explored every corner of the railway. After spending his spring and summer and autumn with the garden, little Liam's time on the railway was finally interrupted by winter. Heavy blankets of snow fell on the city that season, and for the first time since he had become a gardener, little Liam could not visit the plants. But rather than waste his winter worrying about the garden, little Liam spent it preparing for the spring. And after three cold months, the snow finally began to melt, and little Liam rolled his new gardening gear over to the railway. Winter had taken a toll on the garden, but thanks to Liam's planning, his handy tools, and a little help from the sun, the plants soon awoke from their winter's sleep. 
The garden had always wanted to explore the rest of the city, and that spring it was finally ready to make its move. Once again, the tough little weeds and mosses set out first. They popped up farther and farther from the railway and were closely followed by the more delicate plants. The garden was especially curious about old, forgotten things. A few plants popped up even where they didn't belong, while others mysteriously popped up all at once. But the most surprising thing that popped up were the new gardeners from the community. Many years later, the entire city had blossomed, but of all the new gardens, Liam's favorite was where it all began. That's it for this week's episode of News Without Ink. Thank you for continuing to bear with us as we try different formats and ways of connecting with our community during this trying time. The best way for this podcast to keep growing is, if you like it, share it and subscribe to News Without Ink. Please leave a review if you feel so inclined. Any interaction helps us out a lot. Thank you. See you next time.